This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host, and with me today is Bishop Peter Smith, our Auxiliary Bishop for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Bishop Smith, it's always great to have you with us on the program. Good to be with you, Dina Marie, and for all those of you who are listening live or listening on recording, uh, good to have you uh, on, on The Voice of the Shepherd. Well, over the next probably a couple of programs, I'd love to really focus on the reign of Christ in our hearts, really looking at what is the church doing here in Western Oregon, some of the the evidence or the fruits that we see of the movement of the Holy Spirit, and certainly it's in this time of Easter. And then as Easter kind of comes to a close, we've got some beautiful feasts to reflect upon. So I'd like to open up our dialogue because the Archdiocese will have two ordinations, one in May, one in June, a diaconate ordination, a priestly ordination. Later in the year, we'll have another diaconate ordination, but that will be in Rome. So there's just this evidence of the church continuing to grow. But maybe we'll start off with diaconate ordinations. What do we know about the diaconate? How do we first get introduced to this idea of the diaconate in the early church? Well, the deacons were the main assistants to the, uh, the popes in the very early church. And so you ha- the, we have the account from the Acts of the Apostles where the apostles were being so bogged down in, in the sort of run-of-the-mill stuff that they were not able to have as much time preaching and being sort of itinerant evangelists. So we have this account in the Acts of the Apostles where they chose seven. And they give us their names, and then they lay hands on them, and they pray over them, and they are appointed deacons, and they are appointed to the ministry of service. And so they're to serve the physical needs of the faith community, especially those that we would say are in some sort of need, so widows, orphans, all these kinds of people. So this is the ministry of service that we now, the Archbishop in particular, when he does deacon ordination, speaks about. Ministry of service. So it's part of the work of the church, but it's focused very much on these kinds of things. So deacons existed in the early church for a long time, uh, probably in th- I think it was uh, until about the 600s. And then they sort of just faded away because we also see in the early church presbyters, the use of presbyters, so priests. So we see uh, Paul and Barnabas and others laying hands on people and establishing this presbyters. Paul essentially uh, ordains Timothy as a bishop. So we, again, with the laying on of hands. So that's where we, we get this phenomena coming. So the deacons were in that role and then sort of faded away. 
and then the church continued on. But at Vatican II, there was an, uh, a plea to reestablish the ministry of deacons. It was always there or sort of uh, revive it, let's put it that way. And now the, the, the notion of deacon had not disappeared in priestly ordination because as you progress along towards ordination to the priesthood, the last step is ordination to the diaconate. And in the, uh, the church before Vatican II, uh, sometimes that was done the day before. So you go through these orders and the day before you get ordained a deacon and the next day you get ordained a priest. That was part of the progression of the formation of the man becoming a priest. Since Vatican II, we've had a differentiation in the sense of there's one diaconate, but we have those who are going through the diaconate on, on route to priesthood and those who come to the diaconate, and that's where they remain in that area of service. So some people would distinguish between transitional diaconate and permanent diaconate, but it's one diaconate. It's very helpful to remind priests that when you are ordained, you don't stop being a deacon and don't stop the imperative that's given to you by Christ and his church to serve as deacons serve. So what we're going to be experiencing uh, uh, on Saturday is diaconal ordinations I won't be there. Unfortunately, I'll be downstate doing uh, confirmations. So for all of those of you who are able to be there, I hope you enjoy it. The diaconal ordination is the same. It's the same diaconal ordination. But with, one, with some people, they stay there, and others, they proceed on to priesthood. Generally, in this archdiocese, what we tend to do is ordain a man en route to the priesthood about a year before he comes up for priestly ordination. So he has a year, it's usually in the spring of his second to, second to last year, theology three, gets ordained a deacon. And you function through that summer and all the way through that year as a deacon. And then the following spring, you ordained a priest. That's the path I took. It depends also on the seminaries and how they do their formation. Some seminaries do it right about Christmas time or around there before six months before others do it at a different point, but it's once you get to that point, it's okay. The road ahead is fairly clear. And as you know, I was ordained a deacon and served at uh, all saints, which is where I, I got to know you. And I was there with uh, father John Kearns and the folks at all saints. And they really helped me learn the ministry of diaconate uh, serving the people of all saints parish that's where I remind people I did my first wedding, my first baptisms uh, as a cleric was done as a deacon at All Saints. It's really beautiful to see, like you said, the service and, and being that one who is the servant. And Jesus, of course, is the ultimate servant of the servants. And he shows us that in the washing of the feet, which we're reminded on on Holy Thursday. Give us a sense, Bishop Smith, of the, the role of the bishop, the role of the shepherd at this ordination. You mentioned the laying on of hands, and we've spoken uh, about the senses of our sacraments, that there's something about the laying on of hands, the anointing of oil, but just maybe give us a sense of that relationship between the bishop and those that are going to be ordained deacons, and then eventually for many priests. 
Well, the bishop is the head of the local church. The local church is the diocese. Most Catholics, when they think of local church, they think of my parish. But the local church is the diocese. The bishop, surrounded by his priests and his deacons and the lay faithful. So that's, that's the local church. So the head of our local church is Archbishop Sample. And before him, Archbishop Blasme, and on we go back. So that's the local church. And in terms of being called forth to a vocation, it's not the case that somebody comes forward and says, I want to be a priest or deacon, and then that happens. Mm-hmm. The vocation to diaconal ministry or priesthood is a mutual discernment that the man is called forth from the faithful by Christ through the church. And the gift is given to uh, the gift of diaconal, uh, diaconate or priesthood or both is given by Christ through the church, through the bishop. And that's that. So it's not my priesthood or my episcopacy. It's the churches or my diaconate. It's the churches. And we are called and entrusted with this gift through a mutual discernment because the church can say, well, you know, um, we're glad that you, you want to serve, but perhaps this isn't the way. Think about it in terms of marriage. I mean, very, very few people get married because somebody walks up and says, you're going to marry me and we're going to get married such and such. You know, our, if that happened to us, our mental responses without saying it, get me out of here now. This is a total weirdo. You know, we just don't do that because it's a mutual discernment. In the same way uh, with the call to ministry in the church, it's a mutual discernment. And it's not that I take this for myself. This is a gift that's entrusted to me by Christ and his church. And I have to be a good and faithful steward of that gift. And the church can, in certain circumstances, take that gift back away from me. Mm -hmm. We do have, tragically, uh, far too many of them, even though there are only a few, but there's still far too many of them, cases where the church has had to take that gift back because of things that have happened. Mm -hmm. So the call to ministry is, so this, this is why when you see an ordination, when the bishop sits in front of the altar and he asks, so you'll have the calling of the names that let those who are to be ordained come forward and the names. And the bishop asks the question, do you judge them to be worthy? And so the presenter, which is usually the vocation director or the director of diaconal ministry, will say, after after inquiry with the word of God and those who have formed them, et cetera, et cetera, we judge them to be worthy. So there you see, it's like, okay, we are relying on all, and the the response is relying on, you know, we choose these, these men to be priests or deacons. So that's the call. And then you proceed with, with the ordinations. The ordinations are, are somewhat different, by, obviously, because of the type of ministry that is involved. But in each case, uh, there's, a, there's a prostration on the ground and the, uh, the, the litany of the saints. And there are promises. So at one point, you, know, you put your hands together in the, sort of the, the, the flat hand prayer position, and you kneel before the bishop. And he'll put his hands on the outside of that, which is 
the old medieval thing when you promise allegiance to a lord or somebody like that. And in this case, you get asked a series of questions. Now, one of them is, do you promise obedience and respect to me and my successes? Or if, if you're doing it for somebody else, do you promise obedience to your, your bishop and his successes or your superior and his successes? So there's the sense of where you, you are being ordained into this body. Um, it's a mutual discernment and that uh, you, you aren't a free agent. You're part of this team. Now, the, the, the sad reality is that we have cases of people who, once that happens, um, seem to think it's their gift and they act as lone agents, lone, uh, sort of lone rangers, free agents type of but that's not the theology of diaconate and priesthood. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith, our auxiliary bishop for the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. And this is quite a busy season with Easter, with confirmations, with First Holy Communions, our churches, which is a good thing, are continuing to get uh, filled and brought to the Holy Eucharist and brought into a fuller relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're blessed to have diaconate ordinations, a priestly ordination in June. And then we'll look forward to some a fall diaconate ordinations. It, the tradition has been for those men many times who are studying at Rome at the North American College, they may have that opportunity to have their diaconate ordination there in Rome. And I think that's the case for a couple of our men coming up this fall. That's correct. That's an option. Um, most of them tend to take that option to be ordained deacons in Rome. And then not this, this June, but next June, God willing, we should have, I think, about five priestly ordinations. So yeah. that, that we've been in a sort of low for a while. It would be great for it to pick back up um, as we continue to move forward, uh, taking care of uh, the ministry in the archdiocese and the life right. of the church. Obviously, uh, somebody being ordained a priest or a deacon, with some exceptions, particularly for those who are older and uh, more experienced, but it takes a while uh, to learn a priestly life and ministry. I recently had to uh, give the commencement address at Mount Angel. Somebody else was supposed, supposed to do it and could not through, I don't know what the circumstances were. So I, I did the commencement address. It's my alma mater. So it was fun being back there with him. It was a smaller class. I think when I, was ordained or graduated from Mount Angel. I think there were 18 plus of us in our class. But uh, a couple of the things that, uh, that, that I, I reminded them, I just said, this is not going to be a theological or philosophical talk. Uh, just some things to think about. And then I had like four, four areas of practical advice. And one, uh, the first one was uh, the church already has a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. It's not you. Sometimes we come out, you know, in other areas of life. We've got it down. We, we know what needs to happen. We're going to get in there and we're just going to solve all the problems. Um, life can be pretty uh, tough on, on those about, on us when we adopt that approach. So it's for most, for almost all, all um, people going into priestly life and ministry, there's a learning curve. And that learning curve, obviously it's steep in the beginning. And if you do it well, it, it, it sort of flattens. Uh, at least the growth, the, the growth on the curve goes down, although you're always learning more. The situation keeps changing. I think of when I was ordained 
uh, almost 21 years ago as a priest, and where we are now, the kinds of things we were thinking about and talking about and focusing on ministry is there have been some big shifts in some of that. And it's just because the culture has shifted. Uh, another thing I said to them was, uh, know what you don't know and be have the humility to ask for help. Because, you know, we can get ourselves, we, we, we think we know it all. And then somebody, something comes up and we're not sure. And we fake it, that we know it. And that usually doesn't work out really well. <laughs> so there's the old joke, you know, how do you succeed in business? Well, experience. Well, how do you get experience? Um, bad decisions, you know. So, how do you, so you learn from good decisions and as you go along. One of the things I said, is what it said to them is from that uh, mid-20th century American philosopher and sociologist, John Wayne, in one of his movies said, Life is tough, kid, but it's tougher if you're stupid. I said to, <laughs> said to the guys, don't be stupid. So it, we learn as you go in, and uh, we try to put the newly ordained priests with priests who are good mentors, and they're usually in bigger parishes where you need a parochial vicar. And a good mentor can really help you uh, grow and understand the life in the priesthood. I was with uh, Father Joe McMahon and Our Lady of the Lake in Lake Oswego, and for the first six months, or maybe a little longer, at least once a week, I was in his office saying, Joe, this has happened. How do I handle this? And Joe McMahon, he would just look at me and say, okay, go and read this document and read this. And then if you have any questions, come back and talk to me. And it was terrific because he didn't just tell me what to do. Yeah, He, he had me go and research it. So I, I then understood why this is the case. And almost always in those readings or those places he told me to go and look was the answer. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very helpful for me. Father, Father McMahon and I are good friends to this day. Mm. So he, uh, he really helped me learn priestly life and ministry uh, in the areas that I, I was just not experienced at all. Right. So that's what we will do with the guys who are newly ordained. The guys from Rome, they get ordained and they serve here for three months and then they go back and continue it. They've already got their, 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 their baccalaureate or bachelor's degree, but they then do a licentiate, which is one more year's worth of study, and then come back and are assigned. Okay. And I think, Bishop Smith, you, great, you make a great point about mentorship and this working together of our priests, of those transitional deacons, that it is a whole, it's a community. It's uh, the presbyterate, you said. And so there is something about this need to work together for those that have been in the ministry longer to share, to encourage, to say, yeah, read this document. But there is this sense, and I think maybe we don't realize as people in the pew how important the relationship between our priests and deacons and the bishops truly are, uh, that they should all have a heart of Jesus. Yes, it's key that those relationships me are good. And in the last few years, Archbishop Sample has been putting a tremendous amount of energy and effort into uh, developing a uh, deeper and stronger sense, particularly initially with the priests. Uh, obviously, we want to go further and beyond that to the deacons, into the lay faithful. So we've changed the way we have done a lot of things 
to be much more intentional and much more out among the people, out with the priests in the, the different uh, parts of the diocese. So this is designed to try and build that sense of communio or fraternity um, among us. Because here in the Northwest, the culture is, you know, we are all individualists doing our own thing. And that affects us in the priesthood and the diaconate as well, and lay ministers in ministry. We all have this, this thing that comes at us in the culture here. You know, we, the temptation to be a free agent, the temptation um, to be a lone ranger. And people don't think there's a problem until there is a real problem. And so then, then you start to see, okay, we need to have more fraternity, more this. But to get that, you then have to make some sacrifices. And are you willing to make the sacrifice? So we're trying to start out from the perspective of let's start building fraternity before you're even ordained and from the get-go and start moving forward. And it is true that different personalities click and others don't. And you, know, you can have somebody who's highly strung and is more sort of hands-on and somebody else who's more sort of affable goes with the flow is in charge, but doesn't have hands and fingers into everything. So you have to mix and match with that. And so it's just our human personality, our human, how we are. So we try to mix and match right with the priests. If there's more than one priest in the parish and with deacons and priests, so that relationship doesn't work well that affects ministry to the people. Right. And that can also allow, in, in, in worst cases, uh, division to start happening in a parish, which is never a good thing. Right. Bishop Smith, I think about the, um, the interior life of our priests and the interior life of those ordained ministers. And what are the things, one, that the church helps and supports and encourages that development of the interior life, the heart, the, the soul of that ordained minister, but also how our community can support that healthy spiritual growth of our ordained priests and deacons? That interior life is key. So the interior life of the priest is like the relationship between husband and wife in a good marriage. And one of the reasons marriages fail is that we allow love to grow cold between us. And the same thing can happen in the life of a priest or a deacon, where that love, that particularly for a priest, because we put marriage and family aside and we focus that capacity to love that would normally be on a wife and family, on the Lord and his people. And just as in a marriage, you have to cultivate that relationship. We all know what happens if you basically don't worry about your relationship with your husband or your wife, it grows cold. And in the end, the marriage becomes lifeless and it's only a matter of time before it's done. Or you just go through the motions. And the same thing happens for us as priests in our life of ministry and our life with the Lord. And the temptation for us as priests is that things get busier and busier and busier. So the, the time you have for prayer on that relationship or spending time with the Lord is often some of the first things to go. And when I say prayer, I don't mean just praying the liturgy of the hours. Now we make as priests and deacons and religious, we have a commitment a promise to pray the liturgy of the hours. That is one part of how we pray during our, our 
and prayer in that fixed format. When I talk about prayer, it's, uh, it's like in a marriage, what the husband and wife do to help their relationship flourish and grow and spend time with one another. Um, the archbishop is talking about it, or this is one of the things that is the heart of evangelization is to lead everyone into a life-giving, ongoing, transformative encounter with, with Jesus Christ, uh, with God and his people. And that's the key. That's what priests and, uh, have to do and religious, to have that life-giving, ongoing, transforming encounter with God, however that works in your life. But if that isn't there, it's like not having a loving relationship in a marriage. You know, you, you, be, you end up becoming, there's only so much you can do with, with the knowledge and experience you have if the Lord isn't making things new and helping you go forward. And for those in ministry, that shows. The people of God, they got a nose for this. And the people of God pick up, oh, this guy is a bit of a poser. He just kind of goes through the motions or you know, father just kind of runs through, oh, that's the same homily he gave last year at this time. You know, so these kinds of things where the people pick this up mm-hmm. and that, that impacts our ability to minister uh, well to the people of God who expect that from us. And that's part of why we were ordained. Right, right. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith on The Voice of the Shepherd this week, really focusing on that reign of Christ in our hearts and diaconate ordinations, priestly ordinations for this year are a great blessing and I believe a great sign of the Holy Spirit and really that growth. And and as you mentioned earlier, Bishop Smith, it's taken some time. You know, we've had some very quiet years in terms of ordinations and they're going to start growing and growing. You know, as we come to a close for this particular program, I know this is just such a busy time for you. Archbishop Sample. Uh, Archbishop Vlasny is also helping out as he can. I know with confirmations because the need is so great, but but how can we really, as the lay faithful, support you and our Archbishop during this very busy time? Above all, with your prayers. Uh, we're, we are, we're on the road a lot. Archbishop Vlasny coined the phrase, the chrism trail, and we're on it. Uh, as I mentioned to you before we got on the show later today, I'm driving from Portland down to Medford for confirmation this evening and then tomorrow morning uh, at uh, Central Point and then the way back. So that's nine hours and two days on the road. And uh, the scenery can be really beautiful in some parts of Oregon and other parts that kind of get a little boring. (laughs) But keep us in your prayers. Absolutely. Well, we certainly will. And with that, Bishop Smith, would you help close us with a prayer and your blessing? Certainly, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord God, as we continue through this Easter season and look at looking forward into the rest of the year, we ask that the grace that you gave us and offer us through this Easter season with the resurrection of Jesus grow ever more in our hearts and lives, that we may be ever more brightly burning witnesses to your love. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. 
please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.